You are listening to Educational Mountains. We help you climb them! Welcome to the second episode of the Educational Mountains podcast with Scott and Summer. Uh, today's our second episode, and uh, you know, this is a place where Summer and I can kind of share our experience as educators, talk mm-hmm. to, to you guys out there about some of our thoughts and feelings and uh, research that's going on in education in our lives. And hopefully get some feedback from you, <clears throat> questions and what we're talking about, or maybe there's some um, other aspect you want us to explore on what we're talking about. And uh, we're here, we've uh, put the kids to bed, <laughs> we've mm-hmm. uh, got the fire going, mm-hmm. glass of wine, and I think uh, that we'll have a great discussion. Ready to go. And uh, today, uh, we are actually going to be introducing um, a topic that we're going to be exploring uh, over the next few episodes, four or five episodes, and that's just kind of getting a baseline of what is the public education system in the United States, where did it come from, Mm -hmm. what are the options for, for kids, how has it changed since its inception, um, and, uh, today we're going to be talking, um, specifically about, uh, kind of how it all started, like early, uh, history mm-hmm. that Summer's done some research on, uh, we'll yeah. have a conversation around that and also kind of frame the next discussions, uh, for the next few episodes. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, um... Gosh, let's just jump into it. You did some research here, and uh, how did public... I know that mm-hmm. the United States started free public education, and <clears throat> public education, um, you know, for everyone, and these concepts, but how, how far back do we have to go? Well, I, you know, I thought before um, I was looking into this that it was... A lot further back than it actually was so maybe some of you are with me on that that publication public education has been around for a long time Um, and it actually hasn't concerning school-age children Uh, we've had colleges and universities that have been around for a very long time to educate adults but um, (coughs) not not the elementary school and high school types of education yeah um and uh when did that start coming um that was about it kind of it there's there's a lot of there's a little bit of conflict from all of from the resources that i was looking at um as far as it when exactly it started because a lot of education that was given to students was actually coming from parents so Whatever they knew, they would teach their children, whether it be writing, reading, um, their own religious and moral values, um, which was always a part of education, which is, I find interesting. Uh, but that, gosh, that dates back as, as long as any type of, um, you know, since humans, you know, existed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. parents teaching their kids what they know to the best of their ability. Um, so you see a lot of signs of home education or tutors um, 
in the course of history, but I would say the first um, fairly validated, um, actually very, this part was very validated, um, school, um, elementary or grammar school as they called them, um, happened in Massachusetts. Hmm. And it was founded by the Puritans when they were still um, just a, a colony um, in the U.S. So this is yeah. early, early days. We're early talking days. 1700s? No, no, a little before that. It was uh, 1690, actually. Oh, wow. So it dates a little further back. And they, they what they taught the, the children um, in their colony was reading, writing, um, uh, how to farm or whatever trade um, trades were around at that time as well as um, their morals and values and the whole point I found it interesting that the whole point I should say not the whole point the main one of the main points you know not just to teach them uh, how to read and write it was we want you to know you know very thoroughly um, their, their religion mm. And how you're supposed to live life. So I thought that was that was very interesting. And were these public free schools or were these primarily private schools? Yeah, I mean it was supported by the Puritan colony, so or by the Puritans in the Massachusetts colony. I mean it was free to their children, but I mean they they provided all the resources mm. for that school to exist. Um, so yeah. I mean, so it wasn't it was like a state-sponsored, no, no. government school-funded school. It was a yeah, you could privately yeah. funded it public would be considered school. private school at this, <laughs> yeah. at this point in our history. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that's 1690s. That's Boston. Obviously, we have the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming. How did that impact? Well, you know, um, it was really, I would say, right after um, uh, the Revolutionary War that, that Thomas Jefferson, he mm. felt it was really important to have all kids educated, um, elementary school-age kids educated particularly. Uh, and this went up to about, they considered up to about 14 years old. Um, and so he started uh, saying, hey, we need to, you know, making his voice heard. We need to um, do this for our, all of our students everywhere, give them free education. And pretty much everyone said he was crazy. That <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that wasn't going to happen. And especially when he said that the government um, at that time needed to pay for it. So was he thinking of like a unified United States education system even when it was just the 13, yeah, 13 states? Yep, yep, 13 colonies. Yeah, he, that's what he wanted. He felt that was really important. He says we, he felt like uh, we're, we're trying to be this, this independent country. Therefore, we should have education offered to our students. Um, by us, mm. by us as a whole and a government. So, uh, but yeah, no one, no one uh, felt the same way as he did at that time. Uh, so it would, it was just the idea just lingered 
for a while, um, for a couple hundred years, in fact. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, a long time. Uh, it just surprises me. There was such a big gap, but um, it didn't really start to take off as far as public schools and um, be government funding these schools so they could be free to everyone until probably about 1840s. So, so basically we're talking 1780s to 1840s, even once the U.S. was ratified, we're still talking about <clears throat> education being primarily trade-based like and home-based? Very much so. And you might have a couple um, schools in certain cities that uh, parents just you know, poured their heart outs into to make happen for their city. So it was really the parents getting behind these schools and saying, hey, we're having a school in our city. But to be honest with you, that was mostly cities that had money, mm. um, that the parents were a little more well-off so they could pull this all together. Um, but otherwise, kids were still, again, they were educated at home mm. um, individually by their parents. Mm. Or by tutors, of course, if you didn't want your kid to go to... If you happen to live in one of these uh, cities that that had one of these schools, and maybe you'd rather them stay home and just tutor them, and you felt like that would be a better source of education for them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just interesting. And it, so at that time, in the 1840s, schools started just uh, kind of popping up all over the place. Um, and... That and, and cities started funding them. Uh, but I think what really made it take off, the idea would take off, was um, a man named Horace Mann in Massachusetts and Henry Bernard of Connecticut. Um, they felt that no child in our nation, as they said, should go without education. And so they just went after it. Um, with their idea, with this idea, and um, at that time, the country bought it. Hmm. Uh, at least Massachusetts did. <laughs> uh, so all of Massachusetts decided for their state that they were going to have free public public education funded by tax dollars for oh. all students. Um, so that was that was a neat thing. Massachusetts, go Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did a good job with that. Uh, and then uh, New York followed. They were the next. Interesting. This. So this all started in the early mid-1800s, mm-hmm. yep. right? So yep. then we... So that's about 1852 that Massachusetts did that. Okay. First, you know, like, we are um, we're going to pass our compulsory school laws... And decide this is just how we're going to do things in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. For well, students. and that that was an interesting time in U.S. history because you're talking about really the discussion of how much authority and autonomy the federal government had was hugely in question. You know, you're talking mm-hmm. right before the Civil War starts. Right. Then, when really the strength and influence and power of the federal government hadn't really been in place. So at this mm-hmm. point. It's still completely state based upon state-run. Exactly. Uh, really, there is no federal <laughs> bureau of education or anything like that. Mm-mm. It's just 
Yeah, it's just per state. Um, so it went from, you know, Massachusetts to New York, uh, and then basically all the other states followed. Hmm. Um, they decided this is a good idea as well. Um, so they started doing it. So elementary education was required. I think it was about, it was a pretty long day. It was about six hours. I think that's what one of my articles said. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So even that early on, yeah, it was, uh, it was fairly similar to what we have now as far as the time. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. Um, so, and I, but I would like to add, I mean, there, there were some exceptions to this. Um, obviously, there was um, a discrepancy, a pretty big discrepancy between um, the North and the South. And when we say kids, uh, students of, um, in all the states that were, that were there in the United States at the time, they, primarily white students were the mm -hmm. ones that were allowed to be educated. Mm -hmm. Um, though the law passed for every student, it was still, there was many, 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 many black students and particularly the Southern states that were not allowed to, um, be educated. So um, that's when I, when I when I say all students, that does not, uh, you know, obviously that's mm. not that's not uh, completely accurate when we're talking about both sides, north and the south. So, um, yeah, always sad stuff to talk about, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah, totally. It's, um, so then we have the 1850s, we have the introduction of state-run uh, public school in the north. Mm -hmm. Then we have the Civil War. Did that impact anything? Um, you know, it did um, in that it gave an opportunity and a platform, you know, after, like, during the reconstructionary period of the mm -hmm. Civil War. Um, it gave an opportunity... Uh, for the Freedmen's Bureau to really um, take off, and they um, founded uh, or opened, a, yeah, founded about like a thousand schools hmm. um, for all the about over ninety thousand slaves in the South. Um, so at this point, schools were still in many states segregated, black and white, but it, but you know there was becoming equality as far as all children actually starting to be educated, not just white students. So really, that didn't even come into play until until we're talking about really the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Did it become really kind of standardized that yeah. there's a system and students are yeah. expected to go to school and it's the law and right. all that. So really, we're talking about it as an institution. It's only... Like a hundred years old. Exactly, and and even at that time, I mean, again, I'm we're bringing you know uh, the whole black and white thing into it, but even the, at that time, you know, uh, the the schools that were you know black had black students, they didn't get as much money mm -hmm. from their state for their school. Mm -hmm. um, very just a, a big difference. And the quality of education there. And did your research go into how the schools were funded and things like that? Were they 
local property taxes or anything like that or no i didn't i didn't i didn't quite see that part in that uh in any of the articles i yeah. read um as far as what exactly you know where they drew the money from from the people like what part of the taxes um just that it was tax funded from the from each of the people that live there you know well it's interesting to hear how things that we think have lasted so long and are mm-hmm. so permanent and yet very brand new almost well and then you think of like something like segregation mm-hmm. um <clears throat> you know you aren't talking about no you know the mid-50s yeah you know brown versus board of education when segregation yeah. was ended i mean that was that was huge my, my dad was in fourth grade yeah in 1954 <laughs> like yeah. that's so you um, think of all that time not only, not, not only were you know everything segregated between the the uh, black and the white students, but the black the school the students are the student the black students did not get as much funding for their uh-huh. schools that whole time uh-huh. until the nineteen fifties. I just that blew my mind, you know that and even then it was just like this is the beginning. We're making them a priority just mm-hmm. as much as the white students. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. It's crazy, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's such that's a, where we come from. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting thing to see how the institution of education has started out as this Puritan kind of religious single house school thing yeah. with uh, in in the north in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously we always have private schools. There were the Jesuits. Uh, the Catholics who who always focused and had a strong uh, focus on uh, on education mm-hmm. and all that, but really, as far as becoming a, more of a public entity, yeah, that isn't very old. And then, if we're talking about the laws that we have in place and, and everything, and then th- what we would consider kind of like a modern day school environment, mm-hmm. it's really just like a generation old. Well, and I I found something interesting, and I always heard my grandparents talking about this, which I thought was so intriguing, but um, high school really wasn't required, Uh uh, which I didn't realize. I mean, you know, you hear people saying, I have an an eighth grade education, and that's till about 14 years old, Uh, you know. 1924 was when they really started putting in high schools. And saying, you know what, from 14 to 17, we're going to have this other set of education. It's high school. And we're going to teach them, you know, uh, all sorts of uh, enrichment type of activities. Basically, they were thinking more like college and career type of activities. Um, And so the the graduation rate there was so low. Mm -hmm. Up until the 20th century, the graduation Mm -hmm. rate was below 85%. Uh, for high school and I mean it doesn't make sense now like I didn't realize it wasn't really even required till like the 1950s right. is when they start really saying no you you need to go and get a get a high school diploma like that was I I just didn't realize that, that wasn't really law so uh-huh. um, which is why a lot of people didn't take that option they were like no I'm gonna go farm or I'm gonna go we're learn a trade or whatever um, after eighth grade and that's what I'm going to do, you know, start 
start their learning for their career then in a different way. So that just really intrigued me. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm reading this uh, this article here, and it's saying that in 1890, only 7% of youth, uh, 14 to 17, were enrolled mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. There was 32% in 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, Time. Thing to think about. Yeah, we're so serious about it now, and it's just required, and... And it's, there's just all this work and effort put into it, but not too long ago, it wasn't even required. And really, not until the 20th century, it was, it was you know, people didn't st- really, I would say, I mean, 85% and up sounds like they're taking it more seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're actually graduating with an, a high school diploma. But anyway, it was just, it was just, I found it, I really liked uh, a lot of the things that people had to say. Um, in there, and I, I felt what I had read was very well, was well put together. You know, I had to use a few different, several, actually several different resources, but, um, I got almost the same, well, not almost, like different pieces of the same story. Yeah. Well, that's so fascinating. I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of explore, um, given where it came from. The thing that's so consistent in our education system is change. I mean, it's it seems like we've talked about this change that happens pretty consistently. And then if you kind of explore <clears throat> from the time of segregation and then our desegregation in the 50s and, and uh, how that impacted education. And then you explore things that happened, um, you know, around inequality that happened after that Mm -hmm. when you start talking about uh special education which didn't even exist until like 1974 yeah you know for for those kids when you start to talk about you know and then you get into the 80s and you start to have test scores Mm -hmm. and things like that kind of the more modern Mm -hmm. uh modern schools i think it would be really cool to kind of Take maybe the, um, maybe if we took in our next episode mm-hmm. and we just kind of examined maybe the 80s, mm-hmm. the 90s, the No Child Left Behind oh, Act, yeah. going into, you know, how we see this crop of, I you know, yeah. how, te- how, Parents were responding in the 80s. I know that there was a big push all of a sudden for homeschools, stuff yeah. like that. You were homeschooled. I was. I was homeschooled for a couple of years. I did some independent study, too. And uh-huh. uh, did a little public school, a little private school. I kind of mm-hmm. did everything. And then we also see the rise of, you know, in the 90s, we see charter schools all of a sudden coming yeah. to the pictures and things like that. And what, is, yeah. what does that mean? So Can I, I, I want to go back for yeah, just please. one second. And I, I know we're, we're kind of coming on the end, but I, I think it's interesting and very applicable um, to some of the things happening today in our school system. And maybe, and maybe this will give you just a different perspective because I know it really helped me see the public school system in a different light. But one of the common threads that I saw throughout everything I read um, was that the people who were mainly parents that lobbied for the public school system and even the first creators of the first, like, 
and there it was a public school system because all the kids could go the Puritans. There, one of the main main reasons for it was to um, integrate their their morals and their values to their student, um, to teach them that like they would arithmetic or uh, reading um, or the trade that you know they felt like they needed to learn to have a, you know a, a good life. Um, that was that was one of the main things, and I think it's so funny how we have such controversy today about you know when parents say, "Oh, I don't want this being taught or this being taught mm-hmm. to my child at school." That do have to do with morals and values, and yet there's this other crowd that says, "Oh no, you um, you don't worry about that. That's the school's job, and and they'll do fine with teaching that." But yet parents, you know, as parents also standing up saying no no that's <laughs> those are morals and values and and those are what I want to teach my child it's just it's such a I don't know it's just a it's a big point of contention right now um, and I feel like maybe at the time a lot of these first schools were created there maybe was more unity on what kind of morals and values people wanted taught to their students um, and so there wasn't this a lot of contention about what was that were being taught at schools. But now, you know, there's a lot. We have, I'd say, a big combination of different kinds of well, people. We were a lot more homogenous. Right. You know, 50, 60, 70 years ago and further right. than we are today. Right. And yet those morals and values are still mm-hmm. being by whoever. It, like right now it's our lawmakers are being still taught to our children at school. However, the parents don't have as much of a say in what that is being that is being taught and they are concerned mm-hmm. and, and it you know it's an interesting thing you know as a as a principal um there's always that balance that that is mm-hmm. maintained of you know these are the things we we try our best to separate our school is a place for learning. It's a place for just you know, exploring these academic no. topics. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at the same time, you know, it, people have their own biases. People have their own mm-hmm. um, opinions. People have their own feelings. People have their own background experience. Yeah. And teachers are going to draw that in to... I know I did as a teacher. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you can't help but do that. You can't just stick to... The curriculum, you can't just stick mm-hmm. to the content all the time, and nor would we want that. Right. Um, so, it, you know, it's a balance. It is a balance, but it just, it makes me think how much more than do we, how much important it is for us parents to be so informed mm-hmm. about what is happening in our schools and the laws that are coming across our path to vote on. And, and heck, if your kid is in a school... If you can make this happen, I might say, because I know there's circumstances where it would be almost impossible to, to change schools or something. But, you know, if your kid's in a school where something is being taught that you do not support morally with your morals and values, you got to stand up and take some action mm-hmm. and do something about that um, so that your your child can be guided in the right direction. I just... I, just, I could talk a lot about that, but... Um, <laughs> I just I think it's super important I see for us to be hyper aware, hyper aware, 
his parents these days. But I think it also comes to having context and being informed and and seeing these things. You know, I... As someone who is not a historian, but I do enjoy history. I do have a bachelor's degree in history. You know, I feel like in a lot of the dialogue that we have today, we lose that context and we lose the... Everything is so immediate. Everything is so right now. and, And, you know, I think that that having conversations hopefully from this podcast and and the discussions that the community is having outside mm-hmm. of it that kind of can engage um, people in just seeing that nothing is permanent things change things are yeah. cyclical and um, hopefully the goal is as we change we improve Yeah. and there's good and bad about Everything, but uh, but I think it'll be fun to kind of explore how our system has improved. Focus on those areas that mm-hmm. that has really developed, and yeah. you know, from the research I've been doing, it's really positive mm-hmm. <laughs> to look at where we were at and where we are today and where we're going in the future. I think that there's a lot to be hopeful for. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well. I hope, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this time of just giving you a history of uh, the U.S. and uh, how and where public schools have come from and why they've been put in place. And one more tidbit on that just before we close out is that schools, um, public schools are actually widely state funded still. Mm-hmm. They are, they are very small amount of their funding comes federally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know if there's laws or things that you want changed in your schools your state is where you want to go first absolutely um so well uh i do want to mention we do have um a continued series on this topic oh yeah yeah, for the next few episodes and uh, thanks for listening today and remember if you have any questions or comments want more information Mm -hmm. about educational mountains a podcast about summer or i Uh, All that can be found at educationalmountains.com. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, we want to just remind you to ask questions and have discussions and take action. Have a wonderful week. You are listening to Educational Mountains.